And if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Psalm chapter 127. We're going to be looking at verses, our chapters 127 and 128 together. But let me begin by asking, how many fathers of daughters do we have here this morning? You know, several of us in this room. You know, over the years, I have tried to instill the fear of God into the couple of boys that Caitlin has dated. I wish I could say I was successful with that. Hopefully I have been. But I wish that I was as creative as a few of these fathers were. Let me share a couple of stories with you of of good advice that fathers have, have provided. Um... Sprinkle some dust on your daughter before she leaves, and tell that boy it makes fingerprinting easier. <laughs> Show that boy your gun and knife collection. Amen. Introduce him to your good friend, Chuck Norris. Answer the door wearing a police SWAT team uniform. Casually show him your collection of five shrunken heads. Then yell up to your daughter, number six is here. Have the funeral home director over to measure the young man. And my favorite, answer the door wearing a straight jacket. That should get their attention, right? This morning, we're going to be looking at the reality that every home needs a solid foundation. When I became the pastor here, um, one of the first sermon series that we walked through as a church was from Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we read about what that first church valued. And from this chapter, we have established our value system as a church as well. Read with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 48. So those who received... His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were selling, um, all, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So within this chapter, we see that that first church valued the Word of God. The Word of God was their foundation. As a church, we seek to build everything we do upon the foundation of God's Word. We believe that living in Christ-centered community and fellowshiping together is important. We believe in praying big prayers. We believe that generosity advances the gospel. And we believe that we are called to worship in spirit and truth. And we also believe in the importance of evangelism. As a result of that early church, Scripture says that day by day, people were being added to it. Man, it's my prayer that the Lord will use us daily to see people added to His kingdom. Let's begin this morning by looking at the keys to a solid foundation. In Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, we read, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. 
Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So Psalm 127 is a psalm penned by King Solomon. This man was the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth. He was also a great builder, wasn't he? He built the first temple, so if anybody understood the importance of a solid foundation, it was King Solomon. Here in this passage, he teaches us about the building blocks necessary for a healthy family. He makes it clear that every home needs the Lord as its builder. That's our first sub-point. Again, in verse 1, we read, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Solomon understood that man's work had its place, but it was useless apart from the work of God. A Latin motto says, Nietzsche dominis frustra. It comes from the first words of this psalm and means without the Lord, frustration. It is the motto of the city of Edinburgh, Scotland, appearing on its crest and is affixed to the city's official documents. I mean, think about that. Without the Lord, there is frustration. Joshua made it clear after the Israelites had taken possession of the promised land what was necessary for a successful home and a successful nation. He said in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, Now therefore, in fear of the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for you and your house, what declaration have you made? You know, this past um, week on Wednesday, June the 14th, Danny and I celebrated 26 years of marriage. You know, Danny does not have a perfect marriage because she is married to me, okay? But I think that I have a pretty close to a perfect marriage. You know, we established before we got married that the Lord was going to be our foundation. I've shared this with you before, but every single night before we go to bed, we pray together. And that really is one of the successes of our marriage. We pray together daily. We make a commitment that the Lord is going to be our foundation. You know, notice next, every home needs some form of security. We read, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, a watchman would have, had, would have been stationed in a guard tower, right? And they would have watched over the city both day and night. Their role was vital to the security of a city. However, if the watchman acts independent of God, his work is in vain. The Lord is the only one that can truly provide us with the safety and the security that we need. You know, these days, most of um, us in this room have some form of security around our home. How many of you have some form of a door um, or a ring doorbell? How many of y'all have one? Okay. 
several of us in this room. This past week, finally, um, I got with the program and I purchased um, a wise door camera. It's a much cheaper than the ring camera, but it does all of the same things. Well, that thing tells me when someone is coming to my door. It tells me, um, hopefully, if someone's trying to break into my house, but it also lets me know when a roofer has come to try to sell me a roof. You know, they're very, um, they're, they're very, very um, good at being able to sift through who we want to talk with and who we do not. You know, Solomon goes on and he speaks to us about the importance of keeping our work and home life in proper alignment. Again, in verse 2, we read, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, as men, we have, we have always been told that we need to work hard. We need, we've been told that we need not stop until the work gets done. To an extent, that is true. But at what cost does that kind of work produce? You know what it, what it does? In many ways, it produces unsatisfaction. It produces sleepless nights. It may generate physical wealth, but it could very well lead one to have no one to sp- spend that wealth on. You know, one day, every single one of us, if you haven't already, will leave our offices for the final time. One day, I will preach my final sermon here at Friendship. You know what will happen soon after we leave? Someone will replace us, won't they? You know, all of us can be replaced. But you know what can never be replaced? How we led our families. There's a song that many of you are familiar with entitled Cats in the Cradle. This song is about a dad who was too busy working to invest in his son. The last verse goes like this. I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. If we get to the end of our days and all that we um, can, can say is that we worked hard and we've accumulated a great deal of wealth, what is that going to get us in the end? You know, every home needs to recognize that our children are a blessing from God. In verses 3 through 5, we read, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. You know, we see two truths within this passage. First of all, children indeed are a blessing. They are a treasure from the Lord. They are like arrows in the hand of a warrior is what Solomon tells us. And if those arrows are to hit their intended target, as Tony Evans shares, or are to fulfill their kingdom purpose, then as pastors and as parents, we must shape our children and aim them in the right direction. We must make 
sure that our kids are not going down the wrong path, but they are pointed in the right direction, aimed at the right target. Our children are a blessing, and we have a responsibility as parents and as grandparents to point our children or to aim them in the right direction. Also notice next that children are a protection. In Solomon's day, and even still in many cultures today, grown children care for their aging parents. In Solomon's day, they would defend their parents and protect them in their latter days of life. Children are seen to many today as a burden. So are aging parents or this aging generation. If we raise our kids the right way, then hopefully they will see us as a blessing instead of a burden. They will provide protection for us in the future because of the protection we provided them. Let's look at Psalm 128 now. Let's look at the key to a growing faith. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, we read, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Psalm 128 picks up where Psalm 127 ended. First notice, the first key to a growing faith is the fear of the Lord. Again, in verse 1, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, some people, when they hear the word fear, they immediately associate that word with terror. That is not what the fear of the Lord means at all, is it? You know, terror is what happens when I see a snake, okay? That is what terror is. Several years ago, uh, my family and I, we were down at the herd. Herd Museum here in Fairview, and we were walking some of the paths, and, and I wasn't paying attention, and we were just walking, and I almost stepped on that snake. And let me tell you something. I didn't know if that was a grass snake or a rat snake or a viper or a king cobra. I was leaning more toward king cobra at the time. But I saw that snake, and immediately my family and I went in the opposite direction. That is fear. Okay, and I'm going to tell you this. Some of you after church are going to come up to me and you're going to tell me exactly what kind of snake that is. You're going to say that that one's good for um, the environment, man, they eat rats and all this other stuff. I don't care what you tell me about that snake. In my opinion, the only good snake is a dead snake, all right? Fear and terror, um, that is terror, but, but when we think about the fear of the Lord, that is not the kind of fear that we are supposed to have. The fear of the Lord means that we live in awe of Him. It means that we obey His commands. It means that we submit to His Lordship. Fathers, mothers, grandparents, you want to teach your children something that will be lasting? Teach them the proper fear of the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, we read, The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In Job 28, 28, we read, And He said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. When we fear the Lord, as one pastor um, came up with a few, few steps here, we're told it's the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 1-7, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord motivates people toward holiness. It prolongs one's life. In Proverbs 10, 27, we read, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. It also produces security. It brings great blessing. And let's be men and women committed to fearing the Lord so that we too can gain wisdom and knowledge. The blessing of a growing faith is also fruitfulness. We're told here in verses 3 and 4, be fruitful. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. I love this passage, what it says about our mothers and our wives and the women in this room. A faithful wife is like a fruitful vine. Now, I know that not every woman has had children. Some have chosen singleness. Some have chosen not to have children. Some would like children but are unable to have them. I know that and I recognize that. However, a woman can still be fruitful without children. She can still be a blessing and impact the lives of others within her own home and within her community. Within our passage this morning, we see that a woman's full fruitfulness is directly linked to God's blessing. The Hebrews saw children as a blessing from God. To not have children to them, it was a curse. Isn't it amazing how things have changed? Today, our culture thinks that there is something wrong with you if you have more than one or two kids. Many even see kids not as a blessing, but they see them as a curse. I mean, you go on an airplane, go to a restaurant, and when that child begins to scream, what does everybody's head do? Man, it just whips around, doesn't it? Wants to know what's wrong with that kid, what's wrong with that parent. Instead of seeing kids as a blessing, oftentimes they're seen as a curse. You know, as parents and as grandparents, we have a God-given responsibility to train and equip our children to follow after the heart of God, to pursue after God. You know, I love when Sterling Brown is in this room. Sterling, can you see me back there? Sterling's back in the back. What I love about Mr. Sterling is whenever we say amen, he usually yells out, amen. You know why he does that? Because his parents are teaching him to pray at a young age. He's learning to pray in church. We are disciple makers, commissioned to equip and train our children to become disciple makers themselves. Within our passage, the writer refers to our children as olive shoots. We read, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Why olive shoots? An olive shoot is new growth that springs forth out of the root system of a parent tree. There are olive trees that are over a thousand years old. In fact, some believe that the olive trees that are in the Garden of Gethsemane today are the very trees that Jesus prayed at. Um, the next slide here is one of the very trees that Jesus prayed next to. How does that tree last 2,000 years? Well, those olive shoots wrap around that parent tree, and it eventually is grafted in. Our children are our olive shoots. They become who they are because of the investment we have made into them. Pretty sobering, isn't it? 
I wish I could say that every child or every godly parent produced godly children. But that is not always the case, is it? Is it? Sometimes children go astray. Sometimes children choose not to believe. Regardless of their immediate response to the gospel, we can take Proverbs 22 to heart, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you raised your children the right way and they have chosen to stray, do not give up on them. Cling to this verse and verses like it. Believe this verse and pray for your children. You may not have raised your children to follow after the heart of God. It's not too late to pray for them now. It's not too late to invest the gospel into them and into your grandchildren. Notice next, the reward of a growing faith is God's blessing. In verse 5, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The man pictured here is a happy old man, enjoying God's blessing as he sees his children and his grandchildren following after the heart of God. Isn't that all of our goals and prayers? We, invested on our, we invest in our children today so that they will one day invest in their own children. The disciple shall become the disciple maker. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Stephen Cole shared regarding this verse, the family is the building block of the nation. The turmoil we see in our nation today can be traced back to the turmoil we see in our homes. If we want to see our nation turn around, then we must begin by turning around our homes, pointing our children and aiming them in the right direction toward the right target. We must become more concerned about the spiritual development of our children than we are their academic development or their athletic development or their artistic development or their social development. When you and I raise up our children to follow after the heart of God, those very children have the potential to go out and change the world, don't they? You know, as we close this morning, let's just recap a few things. First, let's remember every home needs a solid foundation. As Joshua, we must make the declaration who we're going to build our home, what foundation we're going to build it upon. Without the Lord, there is frustration as Psalm 127 tells us. With the Lord, there is security and protection. A healthy fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and blessings. Our children are a blessing from the Lord. And we need to aim our kids in the right direction toward the right target. And again, like Joshua, let us make the declaration, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. As we close this morning, just who makes up the foundation of your home? Is your home built upon the rock of Jesus? If not, what is keeping you from building your home on the right foundation? You know, as we close this morning, you may be here this morning 
and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, how can I build my home upon the foundation of Jesus when my life isn't following after Jesus? I want you to know this morning that you can come to faith. You can come repenting of your sins. You can come acknowledging with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, believing that Jesus rose to life three days after he died upon that wooden cross. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to pray, and then I want to invite you to come during this time of invitation. Let's stand together. And again, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Father God, we come before you this morning just thanking you on this Father's Day that we've been able to walk through your word together, that we've been able to worship you together. Father, our our prayer today is that all of us in this room, regardless of how young we are or how old we are, will make a commitment in our lives to make you our top priority, to make our homes built upon the foundation of Jesus, to make our lives built upon the foundation of Jesus. Father, I know that every single one of us in this room, Father, we have made mistakes as husbands and wives, as parents and of children, as children. But Father, there's not a single home in this room that is beyond being mended and fixed. So I pray, Father, this morning, Lord, whatever decision we need to make regarding our home, that you will lead us in the right direction. I also pray, Father, this morning that if there is someone in this room that does not have a relationship with you, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. I pray that today will be the day that they repent of their sins that they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior of their lives and that today will be the day that they recognize that it was because of the work that was done upon the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that every single one of us can be covered by the blood of Christ and be forgiven of our sins and enter into a faith relationship with you. Father, lead us now during this time of invitation. First in Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a decision you need to make. You come.